Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself. Learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey, everyone. I'm so glad you've joined me for this episode of the Relevate podcast. My guest today is Vicki Fraker of Revival 356. She is a writer, life coach, speaker, artist, entrepreneur, wife, a former Olympian weightlifter, and self-proclaimed country girl. Never before in my life have I met someone quite like her who so clearly articulates the transformative love of God in such a raw, clear, and beautiful way. Hold on, friends, because we are going way deep on this one. So, you know, this interview took place in a barn, and that is a rooster you'll hear crowing in the background. Vicki Fraker, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. It's awesome. Thank you, Rena. Thank you for your kind words, and thank you for being here at oh the barn. Gosh, the barn is amazing. Thank you. I love thank it. You. I love it. Okay, First question, so your journey to get here to this beautiful piece of land in the North Georgia mountains has been, shall we say, eventful. I like that, eventful. (laughs) (laughs) But you and I both know that God does some of his best work in those valley moments. So help us just understand a little bit about your journey and what, how we got to where we are to today. Okay, it's it's a bit of a long journey, so I'll make it as short as possible. I had a previous career of um, a weightlifter, uh, Olympic weightlifting. My body was the focus, winning medals. Who I thought I was was the sum total of um, everything that I did and everything that I had, and um, basically my body. That is, that's very cool. Um. Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, it is. It was, I'm very grateful for my journey. I'm very grateful for my journey. Um, It wasn't as things appeared on the outside. It was, it was, um, it was not a truthful experience. It just wasn't the way things appeared was that I was powerful and strong and, and fit and, and healthy. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I was bulimic, addicted, an alcoholic, dealing steroids. I mean, that's just the truth Mm -hmm. of it. Um, But people didn't, get to see that. Um, I struggled with bulimia and and eating disorder since the time I was 15. I was in and out of rehab. And at the age of 36, I ended up in a mental institution. I um, did not want to live, no longer had a desire to live. I just didn't know how to die. And I, um, I say that I was, um, broken. Um, I was broken wide open and it was the greatest gift of my life. Um, so it's, 
interesting that I was bulimic and, and struggled with steroids. It's like I was running wide open in opposite directions. I was, that's the confusion that was mm-hmm. going on internally mm-hmm. um, of wanting to be muscular, big and powerful and strong. And yet, um, feeling like the only way I could be lovable was to be less than was to be a smaller version of who I was created to be. So there was always this just incredible confusion going on in my soul and in my spirit. And, um, yeah, so it was, it's been an interesting journey. I also, um, competed in bodybuilding and powerlifting, all the weightlifting sports, um, and went very far in, in all of them. Um, and again, um, I spent, my time, my energy, and my effort trying to be lovable. I thought that if I could achieve enough, if I could do enough, if I could become enough, then um, through those things, I would become worthy and lovable. And of course, um, we know that is not. So when did your addiction begin? Um, I grew up in a in rural South Georgia in a small country town, and I started drinking at an early age, you know, in rural South Georgia. I mean, we rode around the Dairy Queen mm-hmm. and drank, I mean, at, from a very early age. Um, so I started struggling, really, with drinking 14, 15, 16 years old. So you were able to do that and then also work to be an Olympic athlete? I mean, how did those two coexist? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I'm not saying this is everybody's experience, Mm -hmm. but it was my experience as far as weightlifting and bodybuilding went. Um, Was I drank, I smoked, I mean, I was bulimic. I, again, every... Every self-destructive behavior one could have, I think sometimes when people look at these elite athletes, mm-hmm. they they have a perception of absolutely physical perfection, mm-hmm. and that may be their experience. That was not my experience. Yeah. That was not. It was self-destruction at the highest was my experience. That is wild. So let's talk about how you were able to make that shift from continual suffering, yeah. as you call it, to peace, Yeah, where you are today. Yeah, so one of the things that I like to say is during that time, I was committed to suffering. And I didn't know that until Pat, my mentor, who I work with today, she was uh, my counselor up at New York State Psychiatric Institute where I ended up. Um, And she revealed to me that I was committed to suffering. And I would have disagreed up and down. I was not committed to suffering. And yet, when we peeled back the layers of my journey, every choice, relationship, everything was in alignment for me to suffer. And um, so I remember one day she said, Vicki, just try just try to be as committed to peace as you are suffering. And a light bulb went off, not necessarily in that instant, I'm still on that journey, but how much of my choices created suffering in my life? How, mm-hmm. how many relationships, how many um, moments throughout my day, I chose suffering over peace. It was an internal journey that I was willing to look mm-hmm. at. Can you give us an example? Sure. The beginning part of my life when my whole journey was appearance, power, and strength, my choices were on automatic. Everything I chose was based on how you saw me, what I did, and what I had. All external. 
all external. So it didn't matter if it brought suffering to me. I was hustling for you to like me. Mm -hmm. So I would choose anything in order to get your attention and approval. When I went on a different journey, I started going on... um, I started just this journey of curiosity, of finding out who God created me to be. And so that Mm -hmm. began with finding out what I loved. I mean, I'd always been told what to eat, when to eat, where to go, when to lift, when to sleep. Everything was, everything, I was, I was an athlete and I had a coach. So I was told Mm -hmm. who I was in every aspect of my life. So I began this internal journey of really getting to know myself. So I got curious and I went on an adventure and some of it ended in disaster, you know, (laughs) but it was like, do I love this? Do I like this food? Just does this does this pair of pants feel comfortable to me? Does this conversation feel right to me? If it did, then I leaned in and I created more of that. I learned to be highly sensitive to what my spirit and what Mm -hmm. my soul was saying. And so that that was a coming home to myself, Mm -hmm. I guess. So it sounds like you were you were just open and saying yes to a lot of things and discovering who you really were meant to be. Yes. So it wasn't, it wasn't quite as, as simple as like, I just went on this journey of (laughs) self-discovery and, and yet it was, there were a lot of aspects of coming home to myself and Mm, what that mm -hmm. meant, what that meant. Who did God create me to be? Who did God, every detail of me, what did he put in my heart to love? He put in my heart to love nature and animals and wide open spaces and order and space. And yet I had none of that in my life. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out to allow myself to love what was in my heart to love and to create healthy boundaries to walk away from things that no longer were right for me. And that meant business relationships. Oh, yeah. That meant how I spent my time. That meant mm-hmm. going to the gym, certain mm-hmm. areas that were all triggers for me. That meant eating alone. You know, I was still struggling with bulimia when I got into the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things was I had all these rituals and shame around food. And it all started with eating alone. So I had to learn to have meals around other people. It was little, small baby yeah. steps. And it still continues today. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm still becoming I haven't arrived. I'm just a baby. I'm just getting my toes wet and all of this. And how fun is that? It's awesome. It's awesome. I never really understood um, what the kingdom of heaven is here and now Mm -hmm. meant. And for me, what that means is I can choose to see God everywhere, or I can choose to be on the world's rhythm. And on the world's Mm -hmm. rhythm, Mm -hmm. there is going to be no peace disharmony, Mm -hmm. confusion, lots of chaos. And um, I've learned a different way. And and again, it doesn't mean that I'm not in the world. I mean, I have to be in the world. I have to be in my physical body. So yes, I have dreams, goals, and desires. And yet, that is step two. Step one for me is peace. Mm -hmm. So good. So has God always been part of your your story and your journey? Yes, and... um, a disdain for God has been a huge part mm-hmm. of my journey as mm-hmm. well. Um, I, I grew up, um, you know, in a very conservative religion and dogma. I, uh, you know, just by well-meaning people, I was taught um, that I was just a sinner and I was bad and I was unworthy. And 
um, I just started believing those things at an early age um, that I uh, that I had to work for everything. And yet, um, God was very, very upset with me that I could never actually win his love. And so I worked hard at trying to win his love. And when I no longer could do that, because the more I did, the less I felt his love and lovable, then I just completely walked away. I completely Mm -hmm. walked away. I studied a lot of different amazing religions, and um, I opened up to many different paths and um when I walked away from dogma religion and the Jesus that I grew up with I actually came home to this amazing amazing Jesus that I never knew existed that is so cool so how did how did you find him it was a again this sounds like oh you know just do steps one through three and you're there it's <laughs> it's it's I'm still it's finding it it's, it's a still journey. a journey the difference is instead of taking other people's versions of Jesus mm-hmm. instead of taking what pastors what other people's interpretations of the Bible yes. said I let every bit of that go I really laid all that down and started a deconstruction process of everything that I once knew. I agreed to let go of and start with a clean slate. And I wanted to know this Jesus directly, Mm -hmm. not from who Mm -hmm. you said he Mm -hmm. is, but what was he saying to me? And the way I started a relationship and learning to listen to God was actually through yoga and meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd moved to Costa Rica for a short period of time. I started practicing yoga and I started hearing this meditation. Well, I grew up thinking meditation meant Buddha and I was worshiping another God, which is now absolutely hilarious to me because I practice meditation daily, regularly throughout the day. But that is how I came home to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So to me, I learned getting quiet meditation means getting gaps between my thinking because Mm -hmm. if I'm the one thinking and there's no space in between I'm thinking how can I hear God all I'm hearing is Vicky and so all when I heard Vicky Mm -hmm. I just repeated what was handed to Mm -hmm. me that I'm a sinner I'm sinner I'm bad I'm wretched I'm all these things and God's displeased and disgruntled and all those things when I started creating this stillness Mm -hmm. in my life when I started creating space in my life the most profound things started happening. I started feeling, hearing, connecting, worshiping, loving, listening to the truth of who Jesus was. And um, I started craving more and more stillness Mm -hmm. in my life. That is powerful stuff. Yeah, and you know, also, it wasn't that I just would sit in a lotus position and I... (laughs) TP out somewhere. <laughs> burning incense. Burning incense. I started doing this in nature on my back, mm, looking mm-hmm. at the clouds around my animals, grooming my horses. There started to be this communion and worship with this, the rhythm, just this love. I felt like Jesus was speaking directly to me. In AA, they talk about having conscious 
contact. And I never really understood what that meant. And through this process, I've learned conscious contact for me is when I let go of my thinking mind and and find small gaps in between my thinking. The most amazing thing happens. A peace washes over me. I have direct contact with God and it doesn't go through anybody, a religion, anything but direct contact. And everything changed for me and it still changes. Yeah. That's so beautiful. It still changes. So when I get distracted, when I get on the world's rhythm, Mm -hmm. when I get overworked, overtired, I realize that can be shifted through stillness, through an awareness, through nature, through I can one deep conscious breath and I can be back connected to the Holy Spirit. One breath. One deep conscious breath. I've heard it say that you can't take one deep conscious breath and be thinking at the same time. So during mm-hmm. that one second of breath, that there's a stillness within your mind. There's a gap. Wow. And I practice it regularly. I love yoga too. And when we do the balance moves, mm-hmm. you, you cannot be thinking about anything else except balancing. Yeah. You know, and just the way it brings your mind to clarity of focus. Because I got that, that monkey mind going on. Yeah a lot. So I, I love that. And just the chance to, to breathe deeply. And I really, I really connect with, with Jesus when I'm on my mat too. Me so too. Yeah, I thank too. you for encouraging people to, to seek that out and not, I think some people are afraid that ooh, going to yoga yeah. might have some. If, yeah. If it speaks to them, like that's not going to speak to everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I've learned is that um, I heard somebody say one time um, that God is the inventor and we're his invention. If you want to know how you work, you have to go to him. Yep. And so not everybody's going to connect with God on a mat. I mean, you know, so f- get curious, go on an adventure, find out what you love. And that's where you'll meet God. Yeah. And nature too, because most of us are city dwellers now and we don't, you know, we get a peak of the sky when we're going from our garage to the office. But you know what? That peak of the sky peak of the sky is one deep conscious breath. So everybody may not live on a 30-acre farm like we do. You know, all you have to do is go look out up. at night and look mm-hmm. up. Look up. Look at the majesty, the, the hand of God. Nature is everywhere. It's not just in rural, small town. It is everywhere. Yeah. And he's not just in a church. I've never found him there. I'm just going to be, I've never <laughs> actually found him there. That's been my experience. I, I know a lot of people have, and I, I love that. Wherever you find God, I think it's it's a life changer. But yeah, I've never. Um, well, and it's deeply, it's deeply personal. There's it's there's no big, bro, big broad brushstroke for here's how you connect with God. Yeah, and I think that's the problem that if somebody says this is my way, then that equates to this is the way, right. and it's their way. Mm-hmm. It's not your way. And I think if we could all just, um, again, go directly to God mm-hmm. and just get curious and stay open and create space, like He is a good, generous God, and He will just continually just flood you with his peace and presence Mm -hmm. if we go to him so good Vicki okay so you have written these signposts and I was privileged to be here when you talked about signpost number six I can't give what I don't have 
Love, kindness, and compassion start with me. So in that, you write, I once thought I could judge, criticize, and be harsh with myself while being kind, compassionate, and loving to you. I thought I was supposed to cut myself down and be less than you and others. I thought if I loved Jesus, this was how I was supposed to see and treat myself. I think a lot of us share a similar mindset, which is ultimately self-sabotaging. Wouldn't you agree? Totally. I'd, I mean, love, I'd love for you to, to kind of unpack that a little bit more. Again, this has just been my experience and anything I offer at the barn or anything I say um, I'm just sharing with you what worked for me in hopes that you'll find your own way. So, yes, we have 12 signposts out at the farm, and some are from AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Some are from therapy. Some are from scripture. Some are my quotes. Some are from all over all over the board, and they helped me tremendously. And so um, I just want to share them with other people again. Mm-hmm. They're not the way. They just help me find sure. my way back to God. So I just always like to say that, that um, you have your answers within you. God didn't give me your answers. I'm just sharing what he gave me. So, um, but yes, it's so, it was so interesting. This brought so much suffering in my life that I thought um, that I was supposed to cut off pieces of me to hand to you that that was the Christian thing to do if Mm -hmm. I loved Jesus. And I did that and I got angry, pissed off, resentful every single time. Mm -hmm. And it was presented to me through some spiritual teachings that um, the question was raised, um, how do you think God sees you? Like, how do you think God sees you? And I started Um, going on a journey, peeling back the layers of realizing one of my favorite authors, Wayne Dyer, says, if you don't have an orange, you cannot give an orange away. And I think we would all agree with that. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, you can't give what you don't have. We know that almost like as a mental construct, just an intellectual process. But if we really believe that, Mm -hmm. then the same would hold true for emotional issues as well. If I'm not in possession of an orange, I can't give an orange. If I am not in possession of compassion Mm -hmm. for myself, what I give you is a watered-down version. It's no Mm -hmm. different to me than what was handed to me when I was young about not a direct experience of Jesus, but a watered down of what somebody else thought. And that, I started equating that, that may sound a little confusing, but to compassion as well, that I can't give it to you if I am not experiencing it within myself first, Mm -hmm. that I can tell you about it, I can talk about it, but if I want to give it to you, it has to go through me, Mm -hmm. not around me. And so the whole point Mm -hmm of finding this healthy, compassionate relationship with myself wasn't so I could stay focused on myself. Mm -hmm. The whole point of that was, was that I could see myself the way Jesus sees me Mm -hmm. so that I could then see you the way Jesus sees you. So so it was about sharing Mm -hmm. what was in me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it, it does. And I think, you know, that whole mindset, I'm not worthy, I, I think it, it, it 
You know, it, it, it's the soundtrack that's in a lot of our, our brains and our hearts. And Jesus would say, oh, contraire. <laughs> but I think it's important just to even be bring awareness to, is that the tape that we're playing in our head? Mm-hmm. Because if it is, we have to first acknowledge what is there if we want to shift it. Mm-hmm. Because some of us are so busy, so cemented in our way of being that we're not even aware of what the voice in our head is speaking to us and the and the voice it's not speaking truth a lot of the times it never is Mm -hmm. that is the mind that is usually from the ego that Mm -hmm. I have been taught that ego means edging God out so it's like I've bulldozed my way ahead of God Mm -hmm. edging Mm -hmm. God out our mind, I mean, there's lots of scripture about, you know, a renewing of the mind and that we have to be careful of what our mind is coming up with because it usually isn't truthful. It's usually repetitive. Um, I've heard it say that we have 60,000 thoughts a day. The problem is if we don't have awareness to our thinking, we will have the same 60,000 thoughts tomorrow that we had today. That's a terrible thought. It can be, but mm-hmm. yet, if we say, I mm-hmm. want to shift this. So we first have to have openness and space to say, what are my thoughts? Mm-hmm. So if we look at our thoughts and then we judge ourselves for our thoughts, we're just going to go deeper into our thoughts. Yep. The key is we have to look at our thoughts and then look at it with compassion and say, this is not for my highest good. This needs to be shifted. Mm-hmm. I am willing to do some work around allowing God to shift this in me. So good. This is one of your quotes. Oh, Lord. It's deep. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so I've heard you say, Ms. Vicki, in order for a person to change, you have to change who you believe you are. Let me say that again. In order for a person to change, you have to change who you believe you are. Help us understand what you mean by that. Well, first off, let me say that actually that's my interpretation of... um, Clarification. Yeah, that's my interpretation, my country version of Abraham Maslow and Carl Jung's work. Um, That was the way I understood um, the work of of both of those uh, people. And what that is absolutely 100% true for me, mm-hmm. whether, and as I looked around, whether it was in AA or whether it was in spiritual gatherings or therapy groups or church, it was absolutely in alignment with how people choose and act, think and believe based on who they believe they are. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I really did just think I was a piece of shit. I thought I was mm-hmm. unlovable and unworthy. Therefore, I acted out in unlovable and unworthy ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't an instant shift. It's a continual shifting. It's still shifting. But when I came to understand that I truly am a piece of God, I am created Mm -hmm. in his image. He has incredible purpose for my life. Mm -hmm. And... He gave me free will. So if I want to waste his purpose for my life, Mm -hmm. if I want to throw it away, if I want to judge it, criticize it, if I want to beat it up and compare it, then that's my choice because I get free will. 
And yet, if you don't like how your life is unfolding, your free will at any moment can change Mm -hmm. because God is so good and so generous. If you just start becoming aware and asking, I want to know you, I want to see you, I want to feel you, you will start getting glimpses Mm -hmm. of, of seeing yourself the way God sees you. And it's not an mm-hmm. arrogant external thing. Mm-hmm. You know, again, sometimes I'm afraid to quote scripture because it's just my interpretation of scripture. It's not yeah. anybody else's. But I love, when Je- I love when Jesus says, deny thyself. People ask me about that all mm-hmm. the time. And this is my interpretation. I'm not a theologian. I'm, uh, this is just what I have come to learn mm-hmm. in stillness. Yes, he says, deny thyself. To me, that means there's a self and there's a spirit. He never says deny your spirit. Mm -hmm. So to me, the self is the external part of who you think you are. It's not the breath that Jesus breathed in that brought you to life. That's your never changing spirit. That's the essence. Mm -hmm. That's what we're supposed to feed and honor. The part of us that never changes. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That is just my little Vicky country interpretation of all of that. You know, it may have to play that back and study that one. Well, I'm sure um, people may disagree and that is okay. I would encourage that if that's not your truth, just most importantly, it's, it's just to find out what Jesus is saying directly Mm -hmm. to you. Just give him space to do that. So finally, we have some farm noises in the background. Yeah, some chickens are coming up. My little hen likes to lay in the barn, so she may. That's a rooster. But wherever there's a rooster, there's a hen. There you usually. go. So, Vicki, what is the paradox you discovered when you were able to view yourself in the way that God sees you? Well, I think who I thought I was was based on the sum total, really, of three things. Mm-hmm. It was what I had, what I did. And what you thought of me. Mm -hmm. That was who I thought I was. What I had accomplished, what I had accumulated, and your interpretation of who I was. Worldview. Worldview. Totally. Worldview. That, and yet, because I was raised on scripture and, 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 you know, a home where Jesus um, was talked about and, Mm -hmm. and prayed and the Bible was read and all of that, um, Deep down in my heart, I knew the scripture to say I'm not those things. But yet, the way I acted, the way I lived, and what I believed was I was every bit of what I had, what I did, and what your opinion of me was. That was how my moments and my day were spent. And that was how my thinking mind was spent, was to get more, to do more, and to make sure you like me. While I did not like me. I did not like anything about who I was because remember I was an athlete at the time I was promoting health, fitness and awareness uh, health, fitness and wellness in the Atlanta area. And I was bulimic dealing, dealing steroids and addicted to alcohol and drugs. You know, how can you rest and be at peace mm-hmm. when you're, when you you're who you are internally is not in yeah. alignment with who you're portraying yeah. to the world. There is no peace there. So I love how you talk about your mentor, Pat, Mm. who was really that one person Mm. 
who spoke some truths into your life and began to help help you make that turn. I'd love to to know more about her and how she was able to help you bridge that gap, make the turn. Gosh, I mean, she saved my life. I mean, I cannot talk enough saved my life. There's no other way to say it. Um, She loved me when um, I could not love myself. And interesting enough, um, she never preached. She never quoted scripture. She never opened the Bible. She never did any of that um, because she knew that I was so wounded already from all of that, that that would just take me deeper into my destruction. What she kept doing was just showing up and be in the hands and feet of Jesus. She never mentioned him. She just kept showing up in that way. And it was difficult. I mean, I walked away from her for six months. It just, what she was requiring of me Mm -hmm. and asking of me, she never enabled me. It wasn't a codependent relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It was a lot of work. It was hard. It was difficult. And it still is. I'm still with her today. And yet, um, she just kept loving me and showing up for me, um, even when I, I was hard to love at that yeah. time because I was so filled with anger and rage. Mm-hmm. Um, she must have been challenging you, though. To- oh, yeah, that's, that's actually funny. That was our whole relationship in the beginning. I mean, you know, I am, you know, I'm a, I'm a big girl. I'm big in presence and spirit and physical stature. And at the time, I was actually much more muscular as well. And she's this tiny, short little woman. Um, and yet, she was the first person that really stood up to me. She was the first mm-hmm. person that mm-hmm. was willing. In um, love. In, in love. She always spoke her truth in love. Um, but it was firm. And I needed firm because I was so used to manipulating and physically overpowering mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that um, she was very clear on what she had to offer. And she was going to offer it to me as long as I was willing to receive it. But she was not going to put more into me than I was willing to show up for me and so um, again it was it was the most difficult relationship I've ever been in and yet it is one of the most profound relationships that the whole trajectory of my life changed because one woman was willing to show up for me that so much and it, it shows the power of that one person that one person being bold and speaking in love to help to help another sister. Yeah, and it was consistent. And so here's the thing: if you if we go back to, um, I can't give away what I don't have. She was deeply compassionate and kind with herself. She had been on this journey, so she was willing not to just teach me about things. She was willing to model that behavior for me. So she would not let me speak harshness to myself. She would not let me, if, if I wanted to do that, then I had to go out of the office. I had to leave because in her world, she was compassionate and kind with herself Mm -hmm. that that was unacceptable as long as I was in her presence. And so it wasn't what she said. It was truly how she was treating herself of what she would accept and not accept. So she was fully authentic, fully authentic inside and out, inside and out. 
inside and out. And that always is a trigger for me. I always go back to my childhood because there would be tent revivals and I felt like pastors standing up on stage shouting and sweating and preaching and yet their actions when they were not Mm -hmm. on stage Mm -hmm. was not in alignment with what they were shouting and preaching about. And so again, whenever I see that though, I have to I have to look at that within myself. So instead of just pointing out Southern Baptist preachers on a stage, when I see that, there's something in me that is getting kicked up. So my prayer is always, God, where am I saying one thing and being someone else? Because I need help in making those come together and be in alignment. Mm -hmm. Because that's what it looks like and feels like when I'm saying something and being someone else. Most everything <laughs> in the barn. We go deep, we not are wide. Deep in the barn. We are deep in the barn. I know uh, I'm all over the place sometimes. Okay. No, I, lo- I love this. So here's another one of your writings. Compassion means seeing like Jesus sees, seeing God, seeing myself, and seeing others in the way Jesus does. Full circle. I'm thinking most of us don't feel worthy to include ourselves in this loop. Why is it important that we rethink our view and positioning in this holy circle? Well, what I would say, what I would say to that is we can only meet people to the depths that we've met ourselves. And so to the degree that you can be kind with yourself is going to be the degree that you can be kind with others. And again, this is just my experience. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is other people's way. But the way I treated me, I projected that onto Christ, and I thought Christ treated me the same way. I think it's Richard Rohr that says something like, God created us in his image, and we return the favor. Mm -hmm. So that's deep. You have to think about it. But it's like when I was rigid and critical and cracking a whip with myself, I projected that onto Christ, and I thought Christ was doing that to me. So it's not just Mm -hmm. seeing ourselves like in this Pollyanna, fluffy little Mm -hmm. way. I'm going to be kind to myself. It changes everything. It's the perspective that changes everything Mm -hmm. because it's been my experience when I open up and create space, and I'm willing to stand in and look at how God sees me, Mm -hmm. everything changes. Everything changes. And that to me is what it means when God says, love him and love others Mm -hmm. as you love yourself. Why do we forget that? Exactly. It's full circle. We skip over that. He's, he separated it from everything else. I think Mm -hmm. it's pretty important. I mean, from my perspective. Yeah. So how am I loving God? Mm-hmm. And am I loving others in the way that I'm loving myself? Yeah. That's always the framework that I look outward with. Yeah. I think a lot of times we forget that we are made in his image and we are his children. He, he loves us in a way we can't even comprehend. Right. So for us to treat ourselves badly, I mean, it's... Again, for me, it just goes back to if I'm in the loop of my mind Mm -hmm. and I'm always in my thoughts, I'm seeing life, the world, God, the way Vicky sees Mm -hmm. it. There is no expansion to see it from Christ's perspective. 
And so for me, it always comes back to how much stillness, how can I get more gaps in between my thinking mind? Because that is where things shift for me. Mm -hmm. Because as long as I'm stuck in the repeated thoughts, the repeated habits, the repeated thinking, then I just am stuck in that from day to day to day. So with a little bit of space, it's like that free will Mm -hmm. that, okay, God, I'm surrendering. What is your will? What is your will? I am so hung up in my will, my agenda, my Mm to-do list, that Mm -hmm. my duties, my responsibilities, that I haven't even yielded or surrendered. God, what is your will? Yeah. What is your will? It's a game changer. Yes, most definitely. So how is trust built when time is spent? I can't remember where I heard that from. That did not come from me. Most everything I say does not come from me. It's usually my interpretation of something someone else said. And I have no idea where that came from. But I remember hearing something to that reference. And they were talking about a friend. Mm -hmm. And I thought, do I trust people that I don't have a history or haven't spent time with? And I thought... I trust some people, but I don't trust all people that I have spent time with because they have proven to maybe not warrant being trusting. I'm not going to use the word um, trustworthy because we're all worthy. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I want to trust God more, because I do, I want to live in this place where all things work together, not just when good shit's going my way, that all things work together. So in order to do that, when I'm in the valley, when I'm face down, when I'm getting my butt kicked, I want to know that God is there. Mm -hmm. And so I have to learn to not just talk about, oh, God is there. I have to live from, even though I don't see, feel, or understand anything that's going on, God is right here in the middle of this. The way I build that trust is to spend time with God. Mm -hmm. That's the way I trust my friends. That's the way I trust other people. That's the way I trust myself. Most people don't trust themselves because they don't spend time with themselves. Mm -hmm. They spend time in their mind. They don't spend time with really holding space of allowing what is in to come out. Mm -hmm. I know that's like really, really deep, but it's been my experience that I trust God when I'm spending time, when I'm face down, when I'm in the valley, when things suck, when everything's going wrong, and I immediately start crying out like, why, why, Mm -hmm. where are you? I know immediately to me that is a sign I am not trusting God in this because I have gotten too busy. I am overworked and have crammed my schedule, my life, my calendar with too many things and have not spent time with him. So those are just, those are in alignment. Time to me equals trust. That may not be other people's experience, but that has been mine. Yeah. So let's talk about those valley moments Mm. because a lot of people get it's life we we're all going to be in the valley at some point and I love how you, you you coach and you love people that you walk through the valley mm. you don't stay there mm. but I think a lot of us get stuck and we stay there mm-hmm. what would you say to those people I think what I would um I think what I would probably say is 
if you can just look back on your life and the times you were the closest to God, the times that you surrendered your will to his will, the times you allowed him to go in front of you were the roughest, most difficult, most ass-kicking times in your life. We know that suffering ends eventually. And we also know, if we're honest, that who we become and how we view life and how compassionate we are all comes from us being face down in the valley. That doesn't come from being on the mountaintops. We know this, and yet we want to push back, resist, put on the brakes when suffering comes. It's a natural stance. And yet, if we can strengthen the muscle, that when difficulty comes, to almost just open your palms, Mm -hmm. relax, and lean in and say, I am trusting you in this. There is always, always a resurrection after a crucifixion. I will praise you in the storm. We know all these things. So again, it's like, can I quote it? Mm -hmm. Or when the storms come, am I praising you? It's like, it's a great opportunity to start really living out all these things we know up here to start. I call them sewing them to your heart. My grandmother used to say that. Start sewing those to your heart so that when the storms come, because they will, Mm -hmm. we can go through it with grace, with trust, strengthening all those muscles, Mm -hmm. or we can go through it kicking, screaming, pushing, and resisting. We get to choose, but they're coming. I think in the barn, you called it lean, lean into the suffering. Yeah, that came from Pima Chodron, actually. She's a Buddhist monk who um, has had a profound effect on my life. Um, but she talks a lot about um, leaning into the suffering, that um, when we learn to do that as a natural posture, um, who we become on the other side is completely different than if we resist the suffering all the way through. It's not easy, though. It's not. It's not, and that's why I think we need each other. Mm-hmm. That's why I think we need each other um, in the valleys is is, um, is sometimes not to say anything, but just like what Pat did for me, mm-hmm. just show up. Yeah. Just show up and be with each other. Um, and And... To me, that means being fully present. It doesn't mean lost in our mind and and um, continually talking. It means showing up and just being fully present for each other. Yeah. Well, and I love how you're giving it back now. How what Pat breathed it breathed into you and and loved you and got got you back, and then you in turn open up this barn and invite women in to just um, find healing and, and important discussions and go deep about life issues that really matter. So it's so, it's so cool that you, you're giving it back. It's, and you're so vulnerable in you. who you are and where you've been. In AA, um, I was taught that the only way I stay sober is to carry the message. Mm-hmm. And I've learned there's, a, there's lots of ways for me to carry message and the message that I carry and that I share with people is that you are loved 
you're worthy and you are enough. Mm-hmm. And the more I carry and share that message, the deeper it goes in my heart as well. That's that mm-hmm. full circle. Mm-hmm. That's that full circle. So that is really the mantra of Revival 356 and Vicki Fraker, right? Um, yeah, I mean, clearly that's not like it's, um, you know, some... Uh, Just own it. That's <laughs> some, like, really deep thing. I mean, we all can say I am... But yes, I mean, it's the heartbeat of what does it mean when I say... And I could talk on and on um, about the words I am. To me, that's calling on God because God said his... the. He was, I mm-hmm. am that I am, right? So when you say I am, I'm always very careful of what am I putting behind that? Because to me, I am calling on God. I am, I am, I am loved. What does that mean? Does it just stay in my mind? Am I just reading the words or am I living a life of I am so loved and filled with so much love that that shit is just pouring out of me? Yeah. I am worthy I am worthy. I mm-hmm. am worthy. What does that mean? That means there's nothing you can do to add to or take away from that. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. It's already been done to you. Mm-hmm. And then I am enough. I am enough yeah. right here, right now, in this moment. Yeah. And when I believe these things, when I live from this place, I don't just talk about them and share them through words. Hopefully, by me allowing those beliefs in my life, I give other people a safe place and mm-hmm. space to hopefully believe it as well. Yeah. Just being in the barn with that gathering and observing the women in the room, it was physically I saw such beauty here, but I could feel such brokenness in the room. Yeah. I, I, could, I could see, I mean, the woman next to me had these big blue eyes and the tears just were were spilling down her face and i have no idea the brokenness that she was carrying but for her to make the journey here and to be brave enough to say i need help mm-hmm. and for you to be on that other side you know with your hand extended and your heart wide open saying you know this is how i found my way back and you can too really so powerful and so amazing Thank you. Thank you so much. I think, I believe that we all deep, deep, deep down inside, um, beneath the layers um, that maybe the secular world or um, culture has handed us and we've bought into, I believe we have a remembrance that we're loved, worthy, and enough. And when we let go of all the layers, of all the facades, of bullshit of all the pretending and somebody speaks those words Mm -hmm. something in us gets glimpses of that is my truth too I just believe it it's what was done to me Mm -hmm. you know but again if I was to speak those words and not have sown them to my heart then they're just empty words right they're just empty words and so if we want a more peaceful world If we want a more peaceful family, if we want a more peaceful life, we cannot be at war with ourselves and think we're going to bring peace. We just can't. We have to be honest. We have to be honest. What's inside is always going to come out. Mm -hmm. What is inside? Let's let's get a little bit tactical here and then and then we'll wrap this up because I could just 
hang out and chat with you all day. Um, so how does one begin to hear the voice of God? How, how does one be, begin to, to really kind of make peace with, within with yourself? I don't know how other people do it, but I can tell you how I did it. And I know I repeat myself by saying that, but I just think it's important mm-hmm. to say, I can tell you how I did it. And how I did it was there was a complete, like I said earlier, just busting wide open. I have heard it say that a belief is just a repeated thought. And I had so many years of repeated thinking that if something was going to shift, I had to create space to allow God to do something in me that I could not do for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I was willing um, to create space. Another one of my favorite authors says it like this. You don't digest your hair. You don't digest your food. You don't grow your hair. You, um, you don't grow your fingernails. That is done to you. If you want real change to happen in your life, you have to let go of the doing and allow God to be done to you. Allow it to be yes. done to you. So there you is a surrender. It. Yeah. It, this surrender. isn't, you can't make this happen. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a piece of God, but you're not the origin. You have to get mm-hmm. in a surrendered place to allow yourself to be done to. Right. So there has to be a huge surrender. Yeah. And it's not a one and done. It's right. You talked about the baby steps, how it's, it's... Two steps forward, two steps back. Let's be honest. It's yeah. not one and a half back sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's baby steps. I mean, anything that's lasting, any change, mm-hmm. it is small consistent steps of moving in the direction if peace and love and compassion are where you want to go you have to be willing to take small steps Mm -hmm. and when you're so exhausted you can't take another step allow God to pick you up and step you forward there's a surrender that has to come with all that yeah and it's um it's when you have your coffee in the morning it's just sitting there Take your coffee outside and just sit and look at the sky. It's little things like that, right? Instead of having your head stuck in your phone or even even reading, which I think that is is definitely helpful, having a a morning devotional journal time. Those are external things, though, as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. even reading, that's going externally to try to get something internally. And it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. But it has to be balanced by some internal stillness. Mm -hmm. Jesus gave us a promise. And he said, there is always a knowing that follows stillness. Be Mm -hmm. still and know. And so it's not just still in our physical bodies. It is a stillness in our being. Mm -hmm. If you really want to know something, if you really need an answer, God says, be still. And it will rise up. It will come to you. And you know, yes, I mean, morning coffee and all that's nice. You can close your eyes at a red light and take one deep Mm -hmm. conscious breath. Mm -hmm. The people behind you will let you know when the light's changed. (laughs) Yeah, they will. I mean, anywhere, mm-hmm. anywhere, like it's not sitting in a teepee in a loincloth meditating for hours and days. That's not realistic, mm-hmm. but it's, am I balancing my doing my external journey with some internal stillness and being? And if you don't have a lot of peace in your life, I would say, start there. Yeah. 
So good. So one last question for you. Mm-hmm. So the term relevate means to inspire or uplift. And you have certainly done that today for my listeners. So I thank you so much. Um, what closing words of advice would you have for someone looking for a little more inspiration in their life? I love, I, I, I did not know that's, that's what word. it meant. I did not know. Yeah. Um, I will share um, with you um, inspiration, um, the difference that I've learned between inspiration and information. Information means being in form. In physical form, in form. Inspiration means being in spirit. In spirit. So it's being in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit. It's being in your spirit. It is sharing the depths of who you are with the world. And that's what you're doing. So thank you, Rena, for the courage of stay in your course so so many other people can stay theirs. Picky. You're amazing. Thank you. What a gift to the world you are. Thank you so much for your time and opening up your barn and your chickens um, so people can get a little glimpse into into your world, into your heart. Yeah, thank thank you. you so much. Thank you. That is some good stuff right there, my friends. Real truth, unfiltered, and spoken through the very wise and wonderful Vicki Fraker. Don't you just want to go hang out with her in the barn? I hope you were taking notes, and maybe we'll even take time to listen to this episode again. There's lots here to sow to your heart, as her grandmother would say. Please check the episode notes for more information on Vicki and Revival 356. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.